Welcome to Five Start Weekly. Players are on the outbound train, but there are not a lot of names so far linked on the inbound side. We'll give you all our analysis on this week's news, all that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Start Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by The Crossing, a family-owned traditional steakhouse located in historic downtown Norcross in the old train depot, serving mouth-watering steaks, seafood, and more with the quality of a fine dining establishment complemented by a casual setting. It may be the off-season, but we are busy collecting all of the juicy news goodness for you guys, and so here we go. Let's get started with the news. And first up is that the MLS All-Stars are going to be playing the Liga MX All-Stars. That was just announced today. We are filming this on a Wednesday. And uh, yeah, July 29th at Bank of California Stadium, LAFC's stadium. That uh, yeah should be at least probably, you know, eyeball-wise, a lot better than what it has been past so well i mean i think the the juventus mls all-star game in atlanta maybe not for this score because it was a decent score i think it went mm -hmm. to penalties though right if yeah. i'm i don't know why i'm not remembering off the top of my head yeah. but this past year's game in the pouring down rain and against diego simeone atletico madrid that was never going to be as much fun and where it was getting held we'll leave it at that as far as city jokes go but i think back in california stadium lafc it makes sense i mean the only negative i think is that they could have sold probably three times the amount of tickets that that place holds with it being sure. la and having such a strong latin american mexico American heritage there in LA but yeah it's an interesting it's a, it's a something that's it changes the, the style of it up a little bit right and something I that guess. they've been trying to do for a long time is to marry the two leagues yeah. somehow of course you have the uh, Nations League and Campeones Campion yeah and all that type of stuff and so it's just uh, you know something that they've been having in the works uh, the two presidents got together and or commissioners rather and uh, yeah they finally concocted something that would probably bring the maximum eyeballs for a summer event and uh, yeah you know, they had the tournaments, of course, and yeah, this is, uh, I think, a good step in that direction of getting more eyeballs on MLS. That's probably a good thing for not only LA United, but for the rest of the league. So I think it's a, it's a good thing. Um, is it going to be the most exciting thing for every single person that, uh, that follows MLS? Maybe not, but uh, it at least brings more exposure to some of the league at Mackey's teams as well. So, and there are uh, some really good players down there, so it should yeah. be some really good games. There's yeah. going to be a lot of talent on display on that field. Yeah, I, there probably will be a lot more kind of uh, interspersing of talent between the leagues going forward because of you know people seeing oh you know oh I, I want uh, you know that player then you know that team your team might go out and get them. So it'll be uh, yeah it'll be very interesting going forward but uh yeah next bit of news is that Atlanta United have announced their well the league announced their uh their first match of the season and it is an away game and it is at Nissan Stadium against Nashville SC so it will be their opener and it's going to be I think a very tasty away day for a lot of Atlanta United fans I think they're very stoked we're stoked I think a lot of people already I think uh booked their Airbnbs maybe already and uh, we've yet to do that, but I mean, we probably need to get on it. Crap. But uh, yeah, very stoked. February 29th. Uh, it, you know, there was maybe a, a, an idea that the uh, the season was going to start earlier, but it really hasn't. It's really about the same as last season, 
and, and uh, that may still even get pushed back. Who knows if there's a work stoppage. Exactly. So... January 31st is still that earmark of, uh, yeah, this CBA needs to get done before then, otherwise there will be a work stoppage. And so it Which is... It'd be weird because it's like times. work stoppage in MLS, but we're also trying to play Champions League, so... Got it. So, yeah, they would train all the way up until the point of when they can't. And, Does that know. mean you have to forfeit... We'll talk about that all. When we yeah, get there. That, ideally, let's get that sorted so we can play the Champions League. Yeah, there's a lot of money to lose. A lot of money to lose. And MLS would have a lot of eggs on its face if the yeah. teams can't play in the Champions League. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that in the coming weeks yeah. that there's going to be a, a an agreement. For but sure. that game's going to be at Nissan Stadium as opposed to the baseball stadium that was played in last time. Yeah. That was pouring rain. The pitch was terrible. The ball stopped in a few places. No, this is going to be in the Tennessee Titans Stadium. They're probably, if they're smart, gonna open up the whole damn thing because it's their first match in MLS. I have a feeling that there is going to be a lot of Atlanta United fans yeah, at this game. Yeah, that's as many as they can allocate to us in terms of how many of us we can go. So. That's in one section, but also I think there's going to be a lot of Atlanta United fans in sure. the crowd anyway because yeah. there's a lot of people who watch us who come to Atlanta United games, who are yeah. Atlanta United fans, who live in Nashville. Exactly. Like, I interact with multiple who are like, yeah, we're not changing even though we live in Nashville. Right. We're Atlanta United fans first. And then Sorry, Nashville. Some that are, and I'm just like... Really? Why I mean, would you change? Yeah, it's like, do you really think that Nashville is going to be a little bit more successful? Than I get that they're at home, sure. but like you could still get a season ticket and go watch them and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you guys are doing something, but yeah. when you play Atlanta United, I hope you lose a lot. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that Darren Eels definitely took this time to stick the boot in on the rivalry with yeah. our rival, Orlando <laughs> City. And I think a lot of people are kind of pointing to the fact of, will this game in effect kill the rivalry between Atlanta and Orlando City? Um, it's a four hour drive and I plan on going to every away game we play at Nashville for the foreseeable future as long as I can make it. So I think I'm pretty much in the majority of a lot of fans like that. I think Definitely. we're both gonna try to make that away as <laughs> yeah. many times as we can. So yeah, it probably put the the, the, call, the nail in the coffin on that one. Yeah, and I think most people don't wanna go to Orlando anyway, so. No, just... and they're terrible, and their colors are awful, and they haven't beaten us in three seasons. Exactly, so, but anyway, uh, you know, if uh, there's a good name or nickname for this uh, potential Derby Cup, Leave them in the comments below. We're interested in seeing what you say. But something involving chicken. Yeah, or dirty salad or whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I mean, lemon uh, pepper wet versus Nashville hot. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Not too bad. But that's a long name that you can't really. No, I mean put it's on a, not. <laughs> on a the, cup, but the, still. the southern chicken. Southern <laughs> chicken. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like Kentucky Fried Chicken would get involved somehow and be mad. Yeah, they don't have a team though. So no. Louisville, I guess. Louisville. Uh, I should uh, sponsor Louisville. So never mind. Maybe. I digress. Anyway, but uh, moving on from that. So, yes, uh, we didn't get to cover it last week because it happened literally when it came out, our podcast anyway. And so, yes, Darlington Nagby was traded to Columbus Crew finally after this kind of, uh, you know, the worst kept, se worst kept secret pretty much in MLS. Uh, but, uh, yes, it was for $1.425 million in allocation money and a 2020 international roster spot. Never worry about international roster spots with Atlanta United. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously very sad to see such a great player, such a great person, such a great teammate go, uh, a vital cog in how we play, uh, go to a team that, I don't know if they're really gonna be doing anything, but I mean, you know, they, uh, they, they could. But really, right now, the Ohio teams are just a, it's a black hole, like most of how it is yeah, in Ohio. 
usually. It's, it's not so. it's not ideal for those Ohio teams. I think what's interesting here is he was traded, like you said, for $1.425 million in allocation money. Um, I posed the question on Twitter right around the time it happened, and it was, if there wasn't trades in MLS, how much money do you think Darlington Nagby would have been worth in a transfer fee if, say, Columbus had to pay for his rights as yeah. you would in any other league? I figured you probably could put it somewhere around at least five million or so, or is five million, yeah. would it be more or less than five million? It's 29, 30. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think five million would be a fair but fee for him. But in MLS, you can play, he could probably play like five or six more so seasons. So it could be even more than that. I would say, yeah, probably about like eight million probably or, or so. Basically the point being yeah. a lot more than what we got for him because MLS sure. rules are kind of stupid as far as this but, is concerned. Like, if you can trade that amount of money to get a player of Darlington Nagby's quality, yeah. that is a lot of allocation money. But it's Garber bucks, and so yeah. that's, that's the difference, is that you know this uh, amount of allocation money can allow us to get maybe, uh, let's, what's the liken, likening of this? Uh, maybe, you know, two or three, well, you know, what we were paying him, Julian Gressel, you know, yeah. and that, or that at least starting off with one Julian Gressel would be nice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that's a separate thing altogether. But uh, but so yeah, and uh, you know the reason why, at least speculative, seems to have been revealed by his wife Felicia Nagby on Instagram in her goodbye to Atlanta post, and uh, pretty much to summarize, yeah, she is feeling overwhelmed, feeling like a, a helicopter mom because she's got three kids. She's going everywhere and trying to figure out how to, you know, just be a, a living person, really. And so, uh, you know, I think Ohio with, uh, you know, Nagby's parents, her parents, just the, you know, her fa uh, you know family and friend base, I think definitely provides a lot more comfort probably for their whole family. And so she's not kind of strained. And so it makes sense where Nagby and that earlier season debacle where he, had to come home earlier from uh, spring training or the, uh, you know, just the preseason pre rather. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, that whole ordeal makes a lot more sense now because she was probably feeling some strain when he was out there in California. And, you know, I think that in essence, I don't, you know, I don't blame Nagby's at all for this uh, this situation. No, I think you know, the way they, give... the way that they handled themselves, yeah. how classy of a player he was, he is both on and off the pitch. Mm -hmm. He did help Atlanta lift the championship and two more trophies in yeah. addition to that. He gave everything that he had to the club, and it's not like he was someone that was you know actively in social media or in the media talking about wanting to move, agitating for a move. Mm -hmm. He put his head down. He was a true professional, and and she also talked about how it was a dream ever since he got drafted to mm -hmm. play in Columbus or in Ohio, but preferably Columbus because Cincinnati obviously wasn't a team when he was drafted. But, you know, to be able to just have family and friends drive around or call them just so they can show up to help or whatever it is. So you totally get it. It's understandable yeah. and you wish them nothing but the best except for the possibly two times a year that they play Atlanta exactly. United. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, uh, you know, he rarely scores in that sense. So hopefully, you know, in that he doesn't score against Maybe he us, gives then. the ball away a lot in that game. That's very un -like. <laughs> no, He can play as well as he wants. Just don't score or assist, and we're good. Fair enough. Okay, good. But, uh, but anyway, so, um, yeah, the 2019 MLS expansion draft also happened this week. And, uh, yeah, well, Nagby was off that list now because, yeah, he had gone to the crew. Uh, and there was this whole list of uh, players, which we'll get to in a second. But yes, Brandon Vasquez was chosen off of that list of the unprotected ones. Uh, and then he was, uh, so it was by maybe future rival, Nashville SC. Then he was probably traded to FC Cincy. 
which, like you said on Twitter, probably a cruel twist of fate, but he does get probably a lot of playing time now. Uh, we got almost. a lot of playing time in Nashville. I mean, at least it's not a rival, but like, right. it's Cincinnati. Man. Yeah, and, but you know, I think they have a, a very decent fan base as well that, um, you know, at least on their, uh, their opener last season really showed that they're here to at least, uh, you know, try to make some moves, at least in the fandom department. So and they have completely overhauled both their coaching staff and yeah. their backroom staff and, and the board yeah. level. They've done all that new with the football right. director. So they're just so on the Minnesota United route of taking pot. a few years and then yeah. getting getting to be good. So uh, you know, and maybe Can't he be is much worse. Yeah, maybe he's a step in the, the right direction for them. I think he uh, is a player that will be missed, at least definitely in our depth departments, at least uh, definitely when we're playing in the US Open Cup. He just owns that tournament in scoring uh, scoring wise and so um, yeah I mean I think uh, it, it will be a miss because he offered something like a different look to what we are used to so but um, yeah so in that kind of protected and unprotected I think bring some really interesting insight and uh, you know to go through that 12 that was protected of course Joseph Barco PT uh, Tito Gressel LGP Remetti, uh, Franco, I mean, Guzan, Hindman, of course, and then you have Miles Robinson, who it was speculation back and forth of like, was Generation Adidas, uh, did he really graduate from it or did he not? Yes, it seems like he did. And so uh, he was a person that obviously, you know, if he graduated from it, you keep him as well. And then the, I think the biggest surprise is another person that was a Generation Adidas player, Mo Adams. He was protected on that list, and so very, very interesting. I think, uh, I think, way, uh, way higher on the you know maybe radar than I think most of us thought. Because I mean, yeah, I think he's a guy that we gave up some uh, a little bit of asset to uh, to get him to the Chicago Fire, but I think for him to be protected, that's a surprise, and so he's maybe highly rated more so than we thought. Um, and you know, I think with uh, you know. Larry getting a little older, uh, us needing, to, you know, kind of a defensive midfielder, uh, really on the cheap. I mean, he's a guy that can be developed and uh, maybe at least a ball winner, you know, exactly. like a bulldog type of guy who right. you just man mark somebody or have mm -hmm. him just kick the heck out of the ball. Pretty much right now, he's still, I think, a Eric Rometty light even to me. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's good enough on the ball yet, but uh, I mean, so I think that really was a risk keeping him on the protected list. Uh, but maybe he might have been chosen and, you know, we didn't really want to spend assets on that, perhaps. Yeah. So the but. exposed list is interesting. I mean, I think interesting in a way, but also mm -hmm. a lot of these guys, I think, to know for some are expected, them. but some of them are out of contract. So mm -hmm. Mikey Ambrose, John Gallagher, which I found kind of interesting, but I understand because he's been doing well on loan for everything that yeah. I've understood. Mm -hmm. Jose Hernandez, Alec Can, Kevin Kratz, Jeff Lorenowitz, Justin Miram, Brendan Moore, Luis Fernando, who we just recently signed to the first team. Michael Parkhurst, retiring, Dion Pereira, Florentine Pogba, Breck Shea, and then of course, Brandon Vasquez. And on that list, obviously we already knew that, Breck Shea had a massive injury, so he wasn't gonna mm -hmm. get most likely drafted. And he was on a one-year contract, Correct. so. Michael Parkhurst was retiring, Justin Miram's contract was expiring, Jeff Lorenowitz's contract was expiring, I believe Kevin Kratz's contract was expiring, and I know, I'm pretty sure Mikey Ambrose's contract was on a one year as well. Yeah. And Jose Hernandez had already announced his departure in a way. And, uh, and Mikey Ambrose really, yeah, pretty much said his goodbye over the weekend as well. And so, you know, it was one of those things, if they chose him, then, 
I mean, you could get them for free anyway. So um, it was going to be, I think, narrowed down to a couple people. And it was probably going to be Flo Pogba or Brandon Vasquez. And they chose Brandon Vasquez. But, uh, I mean, you know, Dion Pereira, maybe you could. But I think he's just unproven. You just mm -hmm. can't kind of use a draft pick on that because I think some of the guys that you saw, yeah, there maybe some are a little bit unproven, but I think they've at least maybe shown more in product or at least proven some things in MLS. Uh, so but yeah, you gotta look at the guys that don't have expiring contracts, and it was a very small pool of players on there, like you said, mm -hmm. you know that that weren't that you couldn't pick up for free right. in a few weeks' time. And and Alec Kane was never gonna be chosen no. above a uh, Tyler Miller or something. No, like that exactly. Either, so, and, you know. and Brandon Vasquez, he has a higher potential and higher yeah. ceiling than a lot 20 of years players. old I mean, and he's a big big guy decent three, touch yeah. yeah so it's like he it's not shocking it's unfortunate mm -hmm. but you know that that is the nature of, of mls but to mm -hmm. my knowledge this now means that atlanta united will be protected in next year's yes. so expansion that's draft so no players from atlanta will be taken in next year's expansion draft which will feature austin i believe right. so that's a positive yeah definitely and uh so uh well you know I think in previous years we had worked out a deal, but and maybe there was a maybe kind of handshake deal, maybe like kind of a internet handshake with uh, Paul McDonough of Inter Miami. Hey, but don't take our players. Yeah, but Nashville SC probably didn't get the memo, and they were just no. like, like yeah. well, yeah, screw that, and uh, we're gonna trade him as well to FC Cincy. But uh, <laughs> I hate to see him. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so next piece of news is that Brad Guzan uh, had a couple starts for the U.S. men's national team and a couple wins. So, uh, you know, they've Yay. at least done a little bit better than they've what they've had Canada recently. and Cuba. Yeah. Never would so. have expected that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. But, um, you know, it's a good showing for him, and yeah, he's uh, seemingly healthy as well, so no big issues there. Ezekiel Barco also started twice for the Argentina U23s. He scored a penalty, good on him, and uh, also, yeah, seemingly healthy, so that's good. And, uh, and yeah, even before that, I think he was at, like, Disneyland or, or in Orlando. Wait, is it Disneyland? Disney, Disney World's World in Orlando. Just, yeah. Anyway, but uh, I should know that, but... No, I need to go down there for the whole <laughs> Star Wars Beat Galaxy's Edge thing. I'm on a Star oh. Wars nerd trip right now. Oh, Disney yeah, because Mandalorian, 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 of course. And the whole thing. Exactly. I'm, if, a, I'm a nerd. Yeah, no, if... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the Mandalorian as well. I mean, it's one of the, the better series of, uh, you know, in the Star Wars realm. Uh, but if you're, you know, getting caught up in that as well, let us know in the comments below. Hashtag but, Baby Yeah, Hashtag Baby but uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so next piece of news is that uh, yeah, MLS is no longer going to have the MLS Super Draft starting in 2020, where the likes of Julian Gressel and Miles Robinson had that all that pop and circumstance uh, when they got drafted. It will now be a conference call and a live stream via their social media, and uh, I guess pretty much like you saw for the expansion draft, it's, it'll be in that type of territory. I think it's it, it makes sense because yeah. I mean, grabbing all of the executives and head coaches and uh, all to a kind of thing that isn't really bringing as much value to the league as as much anymore is just kind of silly. So we didn't even keep our two. Well, I guess one came back eventually. Yeah, Amir Bashti finally came back, and then I Another mean, one when Asiedu got got dropped, it was a little perplexing. I mean, it might be the age thing. It might be like just where. Um, it could be a number of things, but uh, it was... Our yeah. first draft, much better. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, too. I mean, like, uh, the second draft, Gordon Wilde, I think, is still killing it in USL. I mean, he uh, is a guy, I think, that could uh, play at our USL level, but maybe, you know, the likes of a Jackson Conway, the Patrick Conquos of the world, uh, maybe, and 
maybe even Lagos Punga are kind of uh, in that territory of you know someone that we want to keep more so than because uh, they're hungry. That, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and plus you know the whole international spot type of thing is just yeah. So, uh, but I mean yeah, and even a John Gallagher, it's uh, someone that you know was playing uh, as a defender after we converted him from a striker. It's uh, it's it's very interesting, but. Um, I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it is a good move to kind of kind of start phasing this into less importance. But um, yeah, and also Atlanta United 2, speaking of, they made a move, their first move of the off season. Uh, so Steven Glass and co have signed Ford Amadou Mackie Diop. Uh, he's from Dakar, Senegal, and that's via the school that he, uh, he went to, Radford University in uh, Virginia, and um, there's a lot of V's in there that trip me up, but uh, but yeah, he's a 6'3 forward, seems like a big, tall, uh, strapping lad that, uh, yeah, has uh, scored nine goals in 11 matches in the first year he was there, and uh, unfortunately was injured last season, but um, yeah, seems like a good little uh, flyer to pick up, and uh, we'll see what he does for Atlanta too, and you know, maybe he's kind of a guy that in the maybe uh, kind of pipeline of kind of big target men that we uh, are trying to go through the pipeline as a different look. Maybe he can do something and, you know, catch your eye. But uh, that does it for the news. And that gets us to our buy or sell segment. And simply we say if we buy or sell an Atlanta United topic that we put forth. And first one is Nashville and Inter-Miami will provide more competition than Orlando City buy or sell. Uh, I'm going to buy mostly on the Inter-Miami side. Uh -huh. I think that once they get everything together, they've clearly made it known that they're going to be one of the big boys in the MLS. They're yeah. going to hire a big-name manager. Mm -hmm. They're going after big-name players. They're linked to pretty much every aging South American that's been good in Europe for the last 10 years. Um, Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani, that sort of thing. Um, so you have them, I think, very much. They're going to be a, an MLS Cup challenger in the near, near future. Um, unlike Orlando. Nashville's interesting. Um, I'm not sure what they've done with some of their offseason moves and building their roster. I think they could be taking more of a Minnesota approach as well, but they seem to have a better hold on things and a better front office setup than Orlando currently does. Not to mention it's going to be a much closer rivalry in terms of geographic distance, so I think it'll be a much more lively rivalry because of that. I think it might have a little bit more to offer, but I think they might be more of a slow burner in terms of their development as a team, yeah. but we'll see. But I think as far as being better than Orlando, I mean, make the playoffs once and you're better than Orlando. So yeah. it's not really saying much. But in terms of, uh, yeah, more competition to us. And so I think, I think Miami definitely, I think Miami is going to comp be competing on our level Atlanta's level and the top level of MLS a lot quicker if not in year one. Yeah. Um, I think that Nashville, you know, I think that they can get there, but I don't think they'll be a year one playoff team. I yeah. think Inter Miami is a year one playoff team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I buy as well that, uh, yeah, they will provide more competition. And I think, I mean, obviously for the reasons that you just mentioned about Inter Miami, but Nashville SC, I think, uh, well, Orlando City, I mean, us being undefeated against them, I think it's going to be a little harder to be undefeated against any team in Nashville SC. I think just are by way of uh, just maybe Murphy's Law that it's going to, we're going to probably at least maybe drop one to them uh, earlier than in Orlando City. It just, I think it's going to happen. Uh, and plus, I think by virtue of that, they probably can bring more people uh, and maybe, you know, bring more of a factor in terms of, uh, you know, at least at our stadium. What's well, funny, I feel like it could be a bigger rivalry, but also a friendlier rivalry. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's ill will that yeah, can still no build. Mm -hmm. There's no bad blood yet. 
There's clearly bad blood between Atlanta and Orlando, mostly one-sided, yep. but there doesn't seem to be as much bad blood between Nashville and Atlanta, and I feel like it could be a good rivalry on the pitch, although, you know, whatever happens could end up turning into bad blood, but yeah. I think it's going to be a really big party for that first game. There's going to be a lot of people coexisting, because again, there's a lot of crossover there, I think, for right. a lot of people in Nashville, so I think it's going to yeah. be pretty and fun at the beginning. Something might happen to And then something might happen, yeah. <laughs> but, and then it might all blow up, and I'll look like an idiot. Okay, yeah. that would be the first time. <laughs> But, uh, but I think it's also interesting the trajectories of both uh, because Inter-Miami as a team that didn't have a USL team, essentially, um, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have the like, Miami Fusions and other uh, Miami FCs that kind of permeate the area so that, yeah, there are, like, existent fans, but uh, it essentially is going the LNEI route. Very much. And then uh, Nashville SC is going a lot of the other routes of, like, you know, Minnesota United or Orlando uh, to a degree. But, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, they are going to probably, you know, be in that more of that territory. And that's, uh, it's interesting to see if, uh, you know, who gets to the playoffs first. I think we probably have a good guess of which one. But, <laughs> uh, but next one goes to, uh, so two or more of our homegrowns will make a large impact in 2025 or so. Uh, so I think it, if there's going to be any, it'll be one, and I think that would be George Bellow. Um, he obviously had a very disappointing 2019, I think it's safe to say. There was mm -hmm. a lot of hype and pressure coming into the season, mm -hmm. and he had a few injuries, and he never made a first-team appearance after the first game against Herediano. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of room for him to grow um, in 2020. It's a position that there's not a lot of depth at. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't really see anyone else in the twos right now who are going to make that step forward. And I include Andrew Carlton in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I sell as well. I mean, two or more, I mean, that's where it's tough. And, but, uh, yeah, I think there are some players that I think could maybe make an impact on the kind of, uh, you know, cup runs that we have as well. So maybe Alagos Kunga is ready. Maybe, um, you know, maybe Carlton does step it up. But I think larger impact and, you know, overall-wise, I think it's difficult to see anyone beyond a George Bella because he is the heir apparent, essentially, to the left-back, left-wing-back position. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Patrick Cuanco takes another step into, uh, you know, his development. But, uh, I think Jackson Conway could be a player, but I don't think next season. I still think yeah. he's a player that sits two, three years off, two, two mm -hmm. before he's involved in the first team. Like I could see yeah. him involved in like a 2021, mm -hmm. um, but I think next year will still be an exclusive year for the twos for him, so he can try to work on his goal scoring, being a bit more consistent in front of goal. And mm -hmm. if he can, you know, put together another double-digit goal season, then it's like, hey, then he's pushing a bit for the first team. But I still think his age and everything, he's got a lot more development to do. But he's a player that I think could potentially break through on the first team stage at some yeah. point in time in the future. Uh, I think George Campbell also yes. is someone that uh, you know could be have an outside shout, but I think more in kind of the tournament runs and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's just, I think he has probably too much work on the defensive side probably yes. yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, it could come together really quickly. Maybe he uh, just learns so much from uh, being around Miles Robinson. That well, we saw like, how quickly he developed. That kind of just happened. It was like he was uh, a player, but Miles Robinson was also older, went to college, that's exactly. all we're out, so. Yeah, definitely different. But uh, yeah, so last topic in buy or sell, 
we will find a Darlington Nagby replacement in the league. So, you will not find another Darlington Nagby in Major League Soccer. He was the invisible pink unicorn of that type of style player in MLS. He is the one, he is the only one that can do that. And I think to find a player to be a direct replacement for him, you will not find them playing your trade in Major League Soccer right now. Yeah, uh, I definitely sell that as well. I mean, it, you can read this question in different ways as well. I mean, direct replacement, I mean, definitely not. But maybe someone that can at least, uh, you know, maybe provide more goal scoring and maybe provide uh, more box-to-box -box ability even where uh, there's more goals and assists and then, you know, maybe some more tackling than you know, Jonathan Nagby does, but maybe less control. Maybe. Uh, and uh, in that territory, then possibly. But still, definitely still. He's just that good. Like, yeah. he's just... Hard. He's the best at that in, in the league. So yeah. shadow DP, shadow MVP. Yeah. I mean, just a tough yeah. guy to replace. But uh, that does it for buy or sell and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story and at times Facebook as well. But uh, so please keep sending your questions and we might answer your questions in the future. First question comes from M Teams 2003. With Brandon gone, who do y'all think we are going to get as our backup striker? Tough to say here. Uh, They're not in this. I, I think the one thing that we can definitely clear up is I don't think that the backup striker next season is currently on any Atlanta United roster, whether that be the ones or the twos. I think that Atlanta United will find a player and sign a player to fit this role. Mm -hmm. And I think as it will be with a lot of these answers as far as personnel goes, just because of the uncertainty of the CBA, because we aren't still aware of what the rules are going to be. I still think it's difficult to know what you're going to find. I don't think it's going to be a highly paid player because you have Joseph Martinez, but you still have to find someone who maybe is a bit more experienced, has knocked the ball into the net a few times that you know if a Joseph was to go down, you could count and rely upon. Right. But to find that, that can prove a bit difficult. Right, and so that is the casualty of losing a Vasquez, is that he does have MLX experience now, and uh, yeah, I mean, he got, it up that, got that all with us, but you know, he is a guy that also provides some different looks and hit the back of the net at times when uh, he was started, so. Uh, now we will have to find someone as cheap as he is. Not that he was like super cheap, but uh, but you know someone of his level or greater, and that is kind of difficult in MLS terms of trying to find. Do you swing for the fences, or you know that CBA is super super? Because important. you don't. You kind of want to avoid another Kenwin Jones situation. Yeah. Who experienced player has scored goals in the Premier League, so he's an experienced player who scored at a high level, but he it was just done. didn't work out. It was just his knees were shot. It did not work out yeah. at Atlanta United and you were paying him a decent chunk of money. So again, yeah, it, it's if the CBA is opened a lot more, then I think if you can afford it, you definitely try to get a striker who's not as good as Joseph, but who can push Joseph mm -hmm. because that's always good to have that competition for yeah. places and you know that you could rotate someone in. But And if you need to play two up top as well, then you have someone that can uh, do something different than what Joseph Martinez does as well. And so- be very dangerous. Yeah, so you know, hopefully, we can, uh, it's just difficult to say. I mean, let's just say somebody, uh, I don't know. Um, very tough, right? Put us on the spot like that. Um, you know, we'll just move on. Cause there's just, it's so difficult to know who is available and for what type of allocation money uh, around the league. But if we bring someone else outside of the league, it's also how much are they? I mean, we got a lot of money in Nagby uh, allocation money, but Tough, tough. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, sorry, sorry to kind of skirt from that, but it's just really difficult to give a clear-cut answer on that. But uh, next question comes from Lawson Say Zero Four. 
What kind of formation do you think we will run next season? I want four at the back, but FDB likes three or five. Um, I It's kind of weird because I've always been an advocate of the back four. I mean, not to get nerdy again, when I play football manager, I play with the back four. I just, that's the, how I've always enjoyed watching my teams play. That being said, it seems through the seasons we've had so far that a lot of the personnel, even though there will be changeover, is suited to playing with a back three. Mm -hmm. LGP, I think, is suited to playing in a back three. I think Miles Robinson has shown he can play in either, but he's very well suited to playing in a back three. Mm -hmm. Franco Escobar can play that role as a right center back, although he is better as an out-and-out -out right back or a right wing back. I think that George Bellow would be better as a left wing back because there's slightly yeah, less mm -hmm. de defensive responsibility there, but also it affords you to have a strong platform in the field and you have a player like Joseph Martinez up top, you can afford to maybe have him play on his own by himself. So I think this team already feels very comfortable with a 3-5-2. It will depend upon the roster moves I think that mm -hmm. you see, but I think the 3-5-2 is at least going to be what this team starts with um, mm -hmm. going forward next season because that's what the majority are familiar with. And as we saw this season, that's what this team plays the best at is with the back three. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, but yeah, it's also FDB doesn't prefer, I think, three men at the back. I think he prefers a 4-3-3. Like, three, three. Uh, I think that's kind of, uh, I think, like we've mentioned before, it brings a Dutch. lot of balance. And it's very Dutch. And that's it's very, very Dutch. much the Ajax, yeah. Louis van Gaal, everyone ahead of him, Renus Michaels, that whole thing is very 4-3-3 because balance. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think he probably prefers that and if you can find the right players to find that type of system uh, to utilize that, then he will. But uh, yeah, I think early on, we'll still probably employ a lot more three uh, until, yeah, he's really, I think, churns through the roster and finds, you know, the players that he, I think, fits his system. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely still uh, three at the back. And um, so next question comes from Elogical11. Who do you play from the first team or the twos to play in Nagby's position? Um, if we're going as the roster as is and no one else is leaving, um, it's, you know, obviously Emerson Hyman is the kind of guy that was brought in to maybe uh, do something different than what he does, but also, I mean, you know, be a guy that kind of at least plays the position uh, as a central midfielder. And, uh, you know, in terms of that, I think, that, sure, uh, he can at least be there in his spot, but will he replicate it? No. And so, uh, you know, it will be, he will score more goals than Jonathan Nagby does, but he won't offer as much control. So, uh, but. Yeah, because either him or Rometty, and I don't think there's yeah. anyone on the twos, no offense, that can step up and yeah. fill that role. And then Kevin Kratz is like kind of the, the Nagby light. 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 But I don't uh, think he'll be on the squad next year. Yeah, it's, so. I mean, as injured as he was this season, I don't think he And the be. money that he has tied in his contract, which I think, again, I yeah. think I believe his contract might be expiring after this season. I'm yeah, sure. I think so. And then he's also, I think, 31. It's, it's He has a great free kick, but you don't play a guy to take a great free kick. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Especially he, when you have Barco yeah. and Pity to a degree. That's true. Uh, so next question comes from Backdrop Soccer. If Barco gets sold, who are some possible DP replacements? A strong midfielder or a winger? So also difficult to say in terms of uh, you know when he's going to get sold, but definitely it won't, I think, be in the January window. Uh, I think it's more likely in the summer window because you don't have the kind of uh, sell-on clause that is with Independiente, so that for one. Uh, I think he hasn't proven himself enough to really warrant, I think, a larger transfer fee than what we paid for him just quite yet. 
He needs to produce at a really, really high level here to really catch the eye of some really, I think, bigger club that will pay those type of wages and pay that kind of transfer fee. So that's the important part there. Uh, and so, yeah, at least summer 2020 if it gets sold. But in terms of replacements, I mean, that's where it's in the middle of the season. It's difficult to really do that. I mean, we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot. It's just not wise unless we really had a ready-made replacement and I guess start up the transfer sagas then if you're going to do that. So, uh, but I mean, I think the dream scenario would be like a Quintero from River Plate because he's 26. He's coming off of a serious injury. Um, he is an out incredible player. Uh, he has outrageous skill. Um, he picked up the number 10 shirt from Pity Martinez and that, like it was nothing. I mean, literally just YouTube his highlights. He's, he's an incredible player, but he's a player that has a lot of links to Europe. Although there have been recent reports of a strong offer from an MLS club. I don't believe that's Atlanta United for what it's worth. I believe that's probably a Inter-Miami or someone along those lines. So there have been rumors connecting him to MLS. And obviously, if you have the money, Atlanta is a club that has the money to pay for that type of player. And there's a very strong connection, I believe, between River Plate and Atlanta United. Um, I think the, the biggest thing with Barco, why both of us agree that he won't be leaving this offseason, I think had he not gotten injured after the U20 World Cup and been able to build upon his performances there for that he had at the beginning of the season through the U20 World Cup and through the rest of the season, then maybe you'd have been talking about a departure in the coming season. As of yet, he hasn't put an entire season together at the first team level, minus his season independiente, and even that wasn't like a full, full season yeah. consistently. He was great at the end of the season. It was pivotal in their Copa Sudamericana win. But stats-wise, stats he wasn't wise, really He wasn't it was outrageous. It was, it, was, it was potential still. Mm -hmm. Teams in Europe will need to see him have a consistent season with his stats and his performances throughout an entire calendar or season year to want to spend the money that Atlanta United will want to receive for his services. You're talking at least 20 million, I believe, that Atlanta United will want, especially off the back of what they got from Miguel Almiron. So you're looking at a figure that he has to really produce, and he hasn't done that just yet, which is why it could be a summer if he comes out swinging and is incredible in the first half of the year. But I think both of us, our guts is, if you see him moving, it would be a January 2021 off the back of a fantastic, hopefully fantastic 2020 season with Atlanta United. Right. But to humor this question, I think, uh, you know, if we were to replace him, if he did get sold, a strong midfielder probably would be oh, yeah. the DP level player that we need to get. Because sure. you're trying to replace a Nagby. And if you can find a DP level midfielder that you can pay a lot of money to to do a job there, there's not a, there's not a lot of high level out and out central midfielders and you've got some very talented attacking players already on the squad. Definitely. Next question comes from a few bands and Keaton Thomas 61 who pretty much kind of had a very similar question. What positions do we need to address this offseason? Depth um, at every position a lot. pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I think Felipe Cardenas had a tweet about it yesterday. Um, you're looking at at least one center back, both fullback positions, one if not two central midfielders, a winger and a backup striker. I think this offseason, there's still gonna be probably more departures possibly not at the first team as in first starting 11 level. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that you're looking at the busiest summer you've had since the roster got built. Or I think busiest winter. Yeah. Win yeah, busiest winter, sorry, mm -hmm. that you've had since the roster got built. I mm -hmm. think you'll see seven to eight players signed this offseason because oh. in terms of players going out, you have Nagby going out, who you could replace with one, possibly two. You have Parkhurst, you have a Mikey Ambrose, most likely a Breck Shea, a Brandon Vasquez, 
Justin Miram, I don't believe, is coming back. I don't know if I mentioned Arlington Nagby already. So you're already looking at six, seven players right there. Tito Bijalba, maybe Tito Bijalba. Well. I mean, So that's a lot of players that will be on the out. So you have to replace those players because all of them were involved in the first team minute and getting first team minutes. Some of them may be back, but uh, yeah. it is also, yeah, I mean, you know, we have to find how it works within the roster structure. It's just, Which yeah. Which we still don't know. Yeah, and so, yeah, definitely it is, uh, you know, it hasn't ramped up quite yet, but I think it will definitely yeah. ramp up. I think once soon. we get going into December, because November, December was really when the Barco saga and the Pity saga really started to get, to get wild. Well, we're in November, but like December, I think that's what's gonna happen also as more and more starts leaking out and getting worked out with the CBA. I, you, these teams are gonna wanna be making their moves in January. They wanna get this stuff done. January will be a crazy month, but I think as December pulls along, we'll definitely start getting those rumors because Atlanta is one of the biggest clubs in the league. And we're a team that people, the agents, even if they aren't planning on sending their clients here, will leak stuff and link their players to Atlanta United because they know they can get moves to their player or pay raises somewhere else. So the rumor mill will get going. It just hasn't gotten going yet. But once it has, yeah. that'll be a lot of fun Buckle and a lot of, <laughs> lot of madness. Because we've had two crazy transfer sagas the last two seasons, which means yeah. we're due for another one. Yeah, I mean, well, it was uh, two and two for one, really, because of Miggy and PT in yeah. the same offseason. So uh, next question comes from Danny Phantom with uh, two N's and two Y's. I like that show. Yeah. Uh, ATL aren't about signing aging superstars, but if they were to bring one, who would you like? I think I've touched on this before, despite the fact who he plays for, I would take a David Silva in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love David Silva. Yeah. He's a classy player, despite the mm -hmm. fact that he plays for the shit half of Manchester. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, at least probably is in the conversation for player of the decade in the Premier League, yeah. for sure. Uh, that's a great shout. I'm trying to stall because I can't think of who my guy is, I think, because I mean, it's really tough. I mean, for me, you know, I would maybe try to lean towards an Arsenal player that uh, is on the aging side of it then, but I mean, who, I don't, I don't think he really fits in the system. I mean, I mean, maybe, but I mean, in a 4-3-3 or like, you know, replacing PT, okay, maybe, but it just doesn't really quite work within the system. Maybe I think I'm thinking too, like logistically, where if he, if he wasn't, this actually if works. he wasn't, you know, <laughs> Well, he'll never move, but like, you take a Santi Cazorla in a heartbeat. I would take Santi Cazorla in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, because, I mean, he already moved from England because, I mean, basically he's on the kind of downside of his career. Uh, yeah, English-wise, I mean, he's pretty decent, but it's not like really... He can't do the running anymore. Yeah, he can't do the running anymore. He'll be, he'll be a deep-lying playmaker, if anything. Uh, but still, I would... Really, I would watch Santi him. Santi Cazorla could just ping ball. Basically, if anyone played with a high line against yeah. Atlanta United and Santi Cazorla was in the Atlanta United team, he oh would just, God. whatever Julian Gressel does, whatever Julian Gressel does, it'd be that times two. Joseph would right score foot 40 goals. and left foot. Joseph would score 40 goals yeah. and 25 of those assists would be from Santi Cazorla. And then he'd also never miss a penalty. And nope. then he, like every free kick, every corner, you want him to take it. But then at the sake of what? Maybe some players developing? I think it's just, this is where it's just implausible yeah. for an aging superstar to come in. So, but uh, yes, no, good shout. Thank you for, uh, yeah, jogging my memory on that one. Oh, oh my god. But uh, yeah, so next one is Green Eggs in Cam. What color do you want the new away kit for 2020 to be? I want gold uh, with two Ds. I'm guessing he's like doing like the gold member, like 
Oh yeah, gold. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, I think it's already been kind of like semi leaked already that it's going to be kind of similar to the King Peach in that it's mostly probably white or white-ish, um, and then it's got the gold trim. So uh, yeah, it's probably going to be that. But um, yeah, if we had our pick of the lot. I have, you do? I have nothing to say. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Yeah? Okay. Yep. He knows too much and will not say anything. So, uh, I will speculate that um, I want something black with um, with a little bit of trim of red, maybe. Is that too close to the primary, though? But. Black? Yeah, yeah, but I know. Because this, one this one's more like the, the current solid, their stars and Yeah, I, I kind of like stars. the, if it's like an all black out kit. Yeah. You know, and then... Maybe a little hint of, of red. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. Hey, for me, I feel like uh, the leak looks very Real Madrid. From yeah, exactly. And so no, I do not like Real Madrid. <laughs> and I know you don't like Real Madrid. So, oh well. But some people do, and so you know they'll be, be happy, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you have like long-standing Georgia Tech fans that are you know biting their tongue on uh, you know our red and black kits essentially, and so you know, if they can deal with it, then I can deal with you know kind of Real Madrid inspired colors. Yeah. But uh, last question comes from Facebook on, uh, with Mitchell McGirt. Where in your minds do you think Carlton stands now with United? Is he still in the doghouse with Frank DeBoer and the front office? Does he have a shot at getting back in the mix for the full team or is he a United two player again? Does he get traded? It's interesting. It's an interesting question. Thank uh, you for the question. I think he did himself a lot of good because he played well for the twos. Um, at the end Dallas of the season, Russia. he mm -hmm. he got his head down and he really started putting in some good performances for the twos and scoring some good goals. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how he handles himself this off season. I think that if there's any off the field issues with him at any point in time, I, I think he's done. I think that would be the end of him in Atlanta United. Um, but I think he's definitely going to get a chance uh, within the preseason. He's going to have to show up and, mm -hmm. and, and and work his tail off and put it, get his head down. And really try to impress Frank DeBoer and the other coaches during the offseason and in the preseason when, when they get back together for training. If he can do that, there's going to be an opportunity for him to play with the first team, which I think a lot of people are pulling for him and want to see him you know, succeed with the first team and get those minutes and develop into a first team player, being an Atlanta you know, local, being the first homegrown player. There's a lot of pressure on him to do that, but I think he's going to get, I think the season will be his though I say last chance, but I think it will be because the professional game is very cutthroat and very difficult. And if you can't cut it and you can't get it done, then teams are going to let you go. So I think he'll get his chance, but it's on him to prove it and make sure that he takes advantage of it. And if he can, then we'll see what Andrew Carlton can do for the first team. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, he is kind of a, I want to say victim, that's maybe a little harsh, but I think he is a, uh, someone person, one person that maybe is hyped a lot uh, for, um, you know, because he's the first uh, homegrown and he's uh, a guy that you know at um, at the varsity there was all that fanfare and uh, he was talked up a bunch but I think he really does have a lot of talent uh, now in terms of who he starts or who he has uh, you know more playing time over in the, the first team at the moment it's gonna be difficult to see but uh, you know we've been saying this for maybe a couple of years where yeah I mean hopefully in some more tournament runs and cup runs we see him play a lot and see him play a larger part um, and I think that's where he's really gonna have to earn his medal uh, is in those and really showing and 
maybe challenging some of the guys uh, on the first team for minutes uh, and maybe usurping them for a game or two, that's where I think the progress could be made. Um, you know, especially if there's an injury or something like that, and if he can step in for, you know, even a five-game stretch or something like that, that's really, uh, I think, a very large step for him. Uh, and, you know, I think he has a long-term future because a lot of people want to see him do well, but it is, yes, he's at that kind of boiling point where uh, he's got to show his professionalism, he's got to show uh, what he can do on the pitch this season, or, I mean, it, it is going to be, you know, uh, kind of a, a breaking point, but uh, so yeah, that does it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for sending in those questions, and we're pretty much wrapping up. And this gets us to the question of the day. And the question of the day is: In a fantasy scenario, which former five stripe would you like to bring back to Atlanta at any point in time in their career? I guess for for next season, like you know, whatever it is, whatever player that's played for Atlanta, which player would you bring back? I'm gonna guess this is gonna be a pretty one-sided poll because we're all gonna say Mikel Almiron. <laughs> there but could still, be. there could be other people down there. So get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. Yeah, but guys, that's it for the show today. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already. Smash that like button and share this video because it really does help us a lot. And for Tanner McLeod, I'm AJ. Thank you guys so much for watching. Yeah.